Hello, my name is Evan J. Corbin. I'm reading Atonement Camp for Unrepentant Homophobes on behalf of the Happy London Press podcast. Chapter 2. Five years later, Hickory, North Carolina. Ricky, his mother yelled, Ricky, go get your mama some gravy biscuits. Mama, I got you one this morning. I'll heat it up for you. Rick watched as his mother shuffled down the hall with the aid of her walker, taking small breaks along the way to catch her breath. An oxygen tank waited for her in the kitchen. Did you get sweet tea? No, Mama. Doctor said you can't have that. Diabetes. Blah, she spat. Son, it's hardly living if you can't have sweet tea. I made you some hot tea and squeezed some lemon in it for you. She glared disapprovingly at the steaming cup on the table, but Rick watched her resign herself to sit down and sample it. Her hand trembled as she gently brought the tea to her lips, only spilling a little. Did you finish that sermon yet? Nearly. You prayed on it? Always do. Times are different is all, Ricky. Oh, Mama, he said, sitting in front of her, a plate with sausage gravy over a biscuit. Times may change, but the word of God stays the same. Always has been. His mother raised an eyebrow and rebuked him with her expression. Rick shook his head, reluctant to continue a debate he knew he wouldn't win. At that, their dog Liberty began to bark furiously. She jumped up from her bed and ran to the door. It's too early for the letter carrier, Rick said. Calm down, girl. That's not the letter carrier. Elder Monroe said he needed to come by and see you today. Could have told me, Mama, Rick said. He took the dog's collar and held Liberty back just as Elder Sam rang the doorbell. Sam, it's good to see you, he said, speaking through the screen door. Sorry about Liberty. Every time someone comes to visit, you'd think it was life or death for the old dog. Oh, it's no problem, son. I can relate to her. At my age, I bet every day could be life or death. Now, Sam, I doubt that. Come on in. Let me take your umbrella, he said, shaking the wet umbrella onto the drenched welcome mat. It's raining like the times of Noah out there. The two men went inside and exchanged pleasantries with Rick's mother before settling into Rick's father's former study. It was where father and then son would write their sermons and take their solitude. Sam delicately stepped over boxes of books, religious videos, and undelivered pamphlets on abortion, evolution, and every other modern social controversy. Most of the boxes sat untouched since Rich took over the church after his father, Pastor Harris Sr., was called home to meet Jesus a few years back. It was probably best the man didn't live to see such dark days, Rick considered. Still, the young pastor often thought he was no more capable of taking care of his ailing mother than he could the ailing church his father left behind. You know why I'm here, I suppose, Elder Monroe said. I suspect you don't want me to give the sermon I've written for the homecoming this week. You'll say it'll offend the delicate sensibilities of the people who have given way to Satan and abandoned our faith. Oh, least we do that, Rick said, mockingly holding the back of his hand to his forehead. Times have changed, Rick. The new revelation and all. But our God hasn't. Uh, ever since the Pope came out of the closet, the whole world's changed, Rick. Hell, the man may even marry now, now that they said that's okay, too. How many translations have there been of books that never made it in the Bible? Plenty. That's how many. The world has lost its damn mind. My daddy would never stand for this, and you know it. People are leaving the church, Sam said. John Beck will be one of them. What? Came to me last week. Didn't want to talk to you about it. Rick tossed the papers he was holding onto the inherited desk. Wait, 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 what? Why? His oldest son, Ryan. Ryan came out of the closet. His own son is gay, Rick. Rick whistled and shook his head. No wonder. 
I can't imagine the shame he has to feel right now. I, I should go to them. Pray about it. M- maybe we can do something. No, Rick, the elder interrupted, grabbing Rick's elbow. You don't understand. They're already planning a coming out party for him. They're all about it, like a damn Mexican quinceanera. Oh, God, no, Rick whispered, almost to himself. They don't want to be a part of any church that won't recognize the new revelation and accept their son uh, with the same love Jesus had for the gays. They're blessed among people, the scripture says. Rick stood. Elder Monroe, you sound like you believe that yourself. You believe that blasphemy? Those lies? I don't know what to believe, Sam sat back. I just know that over 40% of this church's revenue comes from his family. Even more, if you think of all the food and entertainment they provide at the homecoming and the fall party. Not to mention the live nativity. That just started two years ago, and people come from as far as Asheville to see that every Christmas. We make $5 for every car that drives down that dirt road. Rick glared at Sam, but remained stoically silent. He was right, Rick had to acknowledge. Beck's barbecue had started as a family business in Hickory, but John took it to places John's father could never. Franchise chains were opening from Charlotte to Raleigh, and plans were underway to expand into Virginia by the end of the year. He's turned this church around, Sam continued. You said it yourself. You like that your mama has all the health care she needs? Well, fine. Praise God for that, but thank John. We lose his family, and everyone else follows. We close the doors to his family, and the church will collapse on itself, and it won't need that much help to do that either. Let the church collapse then, Rick's voice thundered as he shoved his chair aside and stood to glare down at the elder. As long as I'm preaching what the good book says and what my daddy would preach, I'm fine if it collapses on me at the same damn time. Better that than to give way to evil in these times. Rick rolled his eyes. Too much like your daddy sometimes. Stubborn, righteous indignation. That's why your father set up this council of elders, to help make sure that you don't do anything intemperate. I just won't do it, Sam. Young man, it would do you well to listen to my advice on this. Your father trusted me uh, to help guide you on the right path, Sam said, lowering his voice to a whisper. The other elder spoke to me last night. If you give that sermon at homecoming, preaching against homosexuality, there will be consequences. Some of them want to send you off to an atonement camp. Some say we should even just consider a new pastor. An atonement camp? Those places where righteous men get sent off for brainwashing? You can't be serious, Rick said, his panic boiling over. Would you ever tell my daddy what he could preach? Sam looked on, stone-faced. His father had passed on, but Rick couldn't stop seeing his shadow. Incensed, he sat across from Sam at an impasse between the adult he had become and the child he knew Sam still remembered him as. Rick avoided dwelling on the thought. Quiet moments of introspection only led him to contemplate just how much he grew out of the shoes his mother, Sam, and likely the whole town still thought he wore. Come on, Sam, Rick said. Let me at least speak to John about this first. Sam ran his hand through his hair. For all the good that it will do you, (laughs) be my guest. Rick ushered Sam out and climbed into his old truck. The seats still smelled like the bourbon and cigars that charted his father's path to the grave. The truck was part of his inheritance of misfortunes, he thought. It barely ran. Crosses and Bible verses dangled down from the rearview mirror as if in constant intercession for the engine to start. Rick looked at the twisted shrine and said a prayer. Reluctantly, the truck's engine turned over after a few tries. Rick knew where to find John. Despite his growing enterprise, 
He still waited tables at the flagship restaurant he'd inherited from his own father. They weren't so much different, Rick considered. John's church was that restaurant. He dutifully greeted the members of his congregation just as Rick did with his own. Rick's truck rattled its way into the last parking space in front of the restaurant. It wasn't even lunchtime, but Rick knew people scheduled their meals by the time the pork was done smoking, not necessarily the hands of the clock. John, it's good to see you, Rick said as he took his Campbell University hat off to shake the man's meaty hand. John offered his hand with an apprehensive smile that told Rick everything he needed to know. Pastor, it's always nice to see you here. Come to bring some barbecue back to your mama? I'd be remiss if I didn't, Rick said. But I really came to talk to you about Ryan. John's shoulders sank. I expected you might. Come on back. The two men walked through the restaurant and into the kitchen. Rick passed by cooks dressed in white aprons who busily chopped pork and set potatoes to boil. The smell of stewed tomatoes and apple cider vinegar reminded Rick of his hunger. Rick knew the employees were all as much a part of an institution as John. John grunted as he navigated his weight down on a small chair at the table in a stockroom that doubled as an office. Rook took the seat besides by his side. Let me be up front, Rick. My boy's gay. Hell, we've always suspected it, so it wasn't much of a surprise. Rick shook his head. I'm sorry to hear that, John, but don't give up just yet. We can pray on it. John laughed until it turned into a cough. <laughs> Rick, I think it's too late for that. Times have changed. I have to change with him is all, I guess. Rick bowed his head. Heavenly Father, we call on you during this dark time. Enough, John said, gently resting his hand on Rick's shoulder. We have homecoming this weekend. I'll bring out the food truck and people will love it after church, just like usual. We've been friends a long time. Just promise me you won't preach on the gays this year. Maybe preach on evolution instead. No, people like that sermon. You, you tell it well. Rick met the man's eyes and feared his own would betray the sting of John's patronization. You tell it well, he repeated to himself, hearing John's mockery in his mind. The moment passed as quickly as it came. Rick regained his composure and forced a smile. Both of them were sons carrying on their father's legacy, and Rick understood that pragmatism was often the temporary victor over principle. Victory doesn't always have a direct path, he assured himself. Rick stood and extended his hand once more. If it provides you and your family any peace, I will gladly defer to your judgment. I'll keep you and your family in prayer, my friend. Rick dutifully took two pounds of barbecue and a side of biscuits with him as he marched back to his truck. If only I could talk to Ryan, he thought. Sitting behind the wheel, Rick barely took note of the ride home, his mind fixated on rehearsing that conversation. Rick was an expert on the topic, but Ryan would never need to know. While Rick had no desire to date women, he was confident that he would like it just as much as any other man. Perhaps one day, he thought. One day when his mother didn't need his constant care and his flock was well tended to. Until then, he assured himself there was no time for such things. Obligations to faith and family were supposed to be joyful endeavors, but Rick felt shame with each passing year as they began to feel more like chains. Friends dated, they married, they moved and moved again. The more the world changed around him, the more earnestly he devoted himself to the obligations that would justify why he hadn't changed with them. Long nights in his study surrounded by scripture would occasionally find interruption by a worn poster of the Savior shirtless on a cross. How wicked of the serpent to use that image to tempt me to sin, he would think in guilty revulsion. 
He recalled the first time he stained that image in perpetuation of the humiliation brought by the crown of thorns. In doing so, Rick recalled crucifying him again and again, each time feeling less guilt in the moment, but ever more over time. Other occasions, he would succumb to those temptations and find his way to sites on the internet that would ease the passage of time late at night after his mother went to bed. For those brief moments, he would indulge in the illusion of companionship with men in chat rooms. Their fleeting conversations were his only windows in the jail cell, leaving uh, light into the world that he both feared and envied. Other times, the mere image of a man acting as proxy for his fantasies would be enough to meet the moment's need. Guilt would always follow. The guilt reminded him of his sin and emboldened him to fasten the chains ever tighter the next time, however weak the links always seemed to be. He decided that if Ryan could only be made to understand that that pain was not worth the seductive lie of pleasure's consummation, perhaps he could have a chance to save both the young man's soul and spare his parents the shame before he suffered the same fate. Once temptations were given the air to burn, the fire would always grow, he considered. Dim recollections of his own past were the caged demons that once had license to torment him, but no longer. I must stop this before it's too late.